Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that speeds through the mile markers of history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Lussier, and in this episode, we're talking about the rise of NASCAR, including its unexpected connections to bootlegging. The day was February 21st, 1948. The National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing was officially incorporated. Now widely known as NASCAR, the small regional sport has gone on to become one of America's most popular pastimes, not to mention a multi-billion dollar industry. As strange as it sounds, NASCAR owes its existence to the union of two pastimes that generally don't go well together, drinking and driving. During the Prohibition era in the 1920s, many Appalachian farmers fell on hard times and turned to making moonshine as a way to keep their heads above water. As their operations grew, the bootleggers began selling their product up and down the East Coast. Of course, desperate or not, what they were doing was very illegal, so they inevitably crossed paths with federal agents. When that happened, it helped to have a car that could make some serious tracks, something fast enough to evade the law and tough enough to withstand the strain of mountain roads. To avoid drawing attention, bootleggers retained the stock bodies of their cars so they would look normal on the outside. The interiors and engines, however, were heavily modified for speed, handling, and storage. Many of the cars had their floorboards and extra seats removed to accommodate more alcohol. For added security, the bootleggers even installed some defensive features straight out of a cartoon, including deployable oil slicks and smoke screens. They even rigged up that classic gag where a bucket of tacks spills out the back to pop the pursuer's tires. 
You're probably wondering, though, what does all of that have to do with NASCAR? Well, before Prohibition ended, some of the bootleggers started hosting informal races and speed competitions just for kicks. I guess they figured they already had the tricked-out cars, so why not have some fun with them? In the 1930s, bootleggers started taking their moonshine mobiles to local racetracks and county fairgrounds, where they started to build an audience. These weren't just backwoods races, either. In fact, the location of choice throughout the 1920s and 30s was actually Daytona Beach, Florida, where drivers could race on a 4.1-mile course that stretched along the beach and a beachfront highway. Eventually, tens of thousands of people would show up to some of these races, paying for the privilege of watching the best drivers in the country get behind the wheel. Stock car racing may have gotten its start during Prohibition, but it continued to grow well after the policy was repealed in 1933. Henry Ford's new V8 engine was a big help in that regard. The cars got smaller and faster than ever, which only furthered interest in the Daytona racing scene. As stock car racing gradually became an organized sport, it continued to have ties to bootleggers. In fact, most of the people involved with it in the early years had connections to bootlegging in one form or another. That was true not only of the drivers, but of the early mechanics, car owners, promoters, and track owners as well. Even if they weren't bootleggers themselves, they were knowingly profiting from the proceeds of the illegal alcohol business. For example, track owners were known to accept a cut of a bootlegger's sales in exchange for the use of their track. Of course, the most direct connection were the bootleggers who went on to become NASCAR drivers. One of the most famous was Junior Johnson, who came from a long line of North Carolina bootleggers and went on to become a NASCAR Hall of Famer and team owner. He and plenty of other former moonshiners were recruited as drivers in the late 1940s by a fellow stock car driver and promoter named Bill France Sr. France had moved from Washington, D.C. to Daytona in 1935 to escape the Great Depression. A mechanic by trade, France quickly took an interest in the land speed record competitions that the area had become known for. In 1936, he entered what's now considered to be the first organized stock car race, which was held on the Daytona Beach Road Course. The rookie driver placed fifth in that event, and although the inaugural race had actually lost the host city money, France became convinced that the sport could be a serious moneymaker, if only it were better organized. At the time, racing rules varied drastically from one track to another, it was hard for the promoters and drivers to keep track of it all, to say nothing of how confusing it was for the fans. It took Bill France more than a decade to build the support he needed to make changes, but eventually his colleagues came around. In December of 1947, France called a meeting of all the top stock car drivers, mechanics, and owners to discuss the standardization of racing rules. He wanted to formalize the sport by establishing a governing body, and then adopting a single set of rules. By the end of the meeting, those present had agreed to form the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, or NASCAR for short. Once the new rules had been drafted, the league was officially incorporated on February 21st of the following year. Bill France Sr. served as NASCAR's first president, and under his leadership, the sport slowly began to distance itself from its bootlegging roots. 
The first NASCAR race was held in Daytona on February 15, 1948, a week before the league was made official. The winner that day, in a modified Ford, was Red Byron, a former moonshine runner. As for the first sanctioned NASCAR race, that took place on June 19, 1949, at the Charlotte Speedway in North Carolina. Roughly 13,000 excited fans turned out to watch as Glenn Dunaway crossed the finish line of the 200-lap race in his own modified Ford. However, the first-place finisher was later disqualified for having rear springs on his car, which were against NASCAR rules. As a result, the $2,000 prize instead went to the runner-up, Jim Roper, who had driven a Lincoln. In the decades that followed, NASCAR became incredibly popular in the Southeast United States. Then, in 1972, Bill France Sr. handed the reins of the presidency to his son, Bill France Jr. During his three-decade run in the position, Bill Jr. transformed NASCAR into the billion-dollar global industry it is today. A large component of that success was the addition of lucrative TV contracts and long-running corporate sponsorships. For decades, the sport had maintained a self-imposed ban on hard liquor sponsorships, but that was eventually repealed ahead of the 2005 season. As a result, things have gone full circle, and NASCAR is once again funded, at least in part, through the sale of alcohol. One important difference, though, is this time, it's legal. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully, you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you want to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 